So architecture basically says, how do we best deliver against the expectations of those people sitting in the outside world? Can we solve their problems? Um, how do we best do it? And the, the, the challenge is that we have org charts which try to do that. Mm. But the work gets broken up, the tools get broken up, and things don't connect very well. So to me, the real purpose of business architecture is to make sure we're doing the right work for the right reason, for, for the right people at the right time. Mm. But, we're, but we're, we're making sure that everything we're building or spending our money on improving is actually helping make that happen. Hello and welcome to season two of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. I'm your host, Jimmy Hewitt, aka Mr. Automation. Hello, Bots and Thoughts community. This is Jimmy Hewitt, aka Mr. Automation. And on behalf of Salient Process, I am thrilled to present another special guest for you all today. Mr. Roger Burlton is the founder and president of the Process Renewal Group, a consulting firm that specializes in business architecture and business process management. By all accounts, Roger is a thought leader, industry expert on business architecture. He literally wrote the book on it. Um, go check it out on Amazon. It's called Collecting, Connecting, and Correcting the Dots. During this interview, we talk about the book, we talk about the fundamentals of business architecture, all the way up to advanced topics, walking you through some real life scenarios that have gone through this. Without any further ado, I'm thrilled to bring you Mr. Roger Burlton. Yeah. We've gotten to know each other a bit over the, the last few weeks and maybe months now. Um, so I've got a good understanding of, of you and who you are. I've read your book. My whole company has. It's like required reading here. Um, but for the audience who maybe hasn't got your book or hasn't come into your concepts um, yet, I was wondering if you wanted to introduce yourself a bit, uh, where you're from, kind of your background, and what you're working on now. Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, Roger Burlton. I am president of small organization called Process Renewal Consulting Group, um, Process Renewal Group for short. Uh, and um, I started uh, Process Renewal Group in the mid 90s uh, because I just felt that people weren't connecting the dots very well in terms of the work that was being done. And, um, and so I was actually working as in, in the telecommunications company. So I started doing a lot of that process work um, back then. Uh, and then gradually over, over the years found that there were better ways to manage work in an organization. And so I often hear people say, uh, well, we don't think about processes. And I say, well, do you do work? And, well, yes, of course we do, but then you're doing processes. So some, somehow the work is getting done. And then based upon that, sort of made it work much more in the area of how do we take this strategically <clears throat> rather than just tactically figure out how we do things better. And so our, our, the, the work in our company became much more, how do we use uh, business processes and business architecture as a strategy? And we expanded it over into other domains, like what about your information? What about your strategies? What about your performance? 
and um, just gradually, slowly uh, started to work much more with organizations to make strategic decisions because they were thinking about the end-to-end -end process of the organization. And so just gradually doing that over the years, working with a lot of different industries, finding that the issues are the same regardless of the industry. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, people don't do a very good job of how they, how they make sure that the right results are being delivered to the right people. Um, and along the way, wrote a book um, back in the early 2000s um, called Business Process Management. And then more recently, wrote an, an, an update to that and an expansion in scope of that, just called Business Architecture, which is you know, collecting, connecting, and correcting the dots. And so um, doing this for many different industries, yeah, man. many different people. And there Go it is. Go buy the book. It's on it's Amazon. Just... Grab it if you're interested in this. It, it's uh, it's getting good responses being a common sense way of looking at things. And that's always been my view. Even though I started out as an industrial engineer uh, on the hard, but, but the harder side of things, um, I've, I learned that uh, common sense really is the foundation for so much of what we have to do. Oh, man. That leads me right into one of my deepest curiosities for you is what backgrounds, uh, degrees, disciplines, or domains do you and your team pull on as you help customers do business architecture? Is it industrial engineering? Is it common sense? Is it process improvement? Is it yeah. anything coming from IT? Yeah. What are it's, the it's, a, it's a really good question. I mean, um, as I say, I'm an industrial engineer and I have the honor now of going back to my alma mater and actually teaching the industrial engineers how to do this stuff. So, okay. So there is a class. There is a business architecture class. There is a class that matter of fact, you have to get through myself and my business partner in order to graduate in your, in your senior year. Yes. But, but it's interesting. Um, the people who have that mindset are really pretty good at this. But it's not exclusive to that. It, and it, it's not exclusive to some people in computer science have it. Some people in business school have it. We've had people who have been music majors. Uh, but it's wow. really just a more, it's really more how you think. And I don't know how you teach that so much. You can teach techniques, but I'm not sure you can teach the innate common sense and logic where people can just step back a little bit and see a bigger picture than, than the little domain that they're sitting in today. Yeah, it's like it's a combination of, of getting to the bottom of it and to the top of it at the same time. Or to be able to switch perspectives, you know, to yeah. dive deep and see what's going on, but often never lose where, you, where you're fitting in in, in in terms of the overall organization. Never losing the why of what we're doing. Um, and I, I, we find that if you can just pull back to that and ask the question, well, but why would we do that? And why would we make the decision to do it this way versus another way? Um, if we can't connect to the why, then uh, then you have no criteria to make the best recommendations or the best yeah. design. Mm -hmm. so. I want to be mindful of our audience, Roger, who is described as split between business and technology. It's a hyper automation right. podcast, right? So we do have a right. bias towards technology solutions. Um, but to arrive at technology solutions, things like business architecture, things like process mapping and analysis, 
things like um yeah other concepts besides just rpa and go build a bot right come in to come into play um so but they may not have a deep understanding of business architecture would you mind indulging them and maybe introduce business architecture what is it does it have a history where does it come from is it an evolution of various concepts that's kind of coming to a head yeah um just how how would you describe it yeah i, I, I mean to me business architecture is just figuring out who you're serving, why you're serving them, and then figuring out how you're going to serve them. Um, but from an end-to-end -end point of view, and, and maybe um, let's just step back a little bit and take the process perspective, because that, that's really where I come from. Mm -hmm. um, when somebody interacts with our organizations from the outside, they might make a phone call or they might click on a, on a website or they might basically go to their mobile device and touch something on the screen. When they do that, they have an expectation that whatever they were interested in is going to get dealt with. If, if, if you have a problem, you expect a solution. Mm -hmm. If you want to buy something, you expect the order to show up. Um, and, but in between all of that, there's a whole lot of things that have to happen just right in order to, to sort that out. So I would say business architecture really tries to understand the outside world of the organization. And then figure out how do you line up the inside world of the organization in terms of the work you do, the information you need, the tools you have to implement uh, and execute, and whether those tools should be put in the hand of the customer, whether you do it through a call center. These are just different ways. So architecture basically says, how do we best deliver against the expectations of those people sitting in the outside world? Can we solve their problems? Um, how do we best do it? And the, the, the challenge is that we have org charts which try to do that. Mm. But the work gets broken up, the tools get broken up, and things don't connect very well. So to me, the real purpose of business architecture is to make sure we're doing the right work for the right reason, for, for the right people at the right time. Mm. But, we're, but we're, we're making sure that everything we're building or spending our money on improving is actually helping make that happen. So it's keeping that traceability from the need all the way through to all the things we build, all the things we implement, all the people we hire, um, all the partners we have, making sure all that stuff is connected to the right outcomes. The business architecture would connect the dots. That's one of the things in the book, right? Connect the dots. Sure. Um, and if you think about architecture, dots, it's it's all connected, right? That's right. And that's right. It's like it's like if you take any architecture, building architecture. Any architecture. I don't. I don't just have electricians. I just had. Don't just have. Um, you know, air conditioning people and and plumbers sorting it all out. And they all say, "Well, I did my plumbing work. It's too bad that you know there's no electricity that comes to the heater." Um, you know, you've got to you've got to make sure all the various things work together. And so, from a technology point of view, I think this is really quite important. Because quite often we think technology, we, or we act as though technology is the savior for everything, but it has to have, it, it has to have some enabling capability. It has to allow something to happen in the business that's going to make a difference. We're seeing a lot of this, by the way, these days, with things like artificial intelligence, um, and mm. AI, and and, di and digital technologies are changing what's possible in our business. So therefore, mm -hmm. if, 
if I deal with something which is very popular right now, which is something like ChatGPT, you say, well, that's a great tool. Uh, who can use that in the organization? And, or maybe if I put it in the hands of our customers, they can solve a lot of their own problems and be happier than having to talk to somebody in a call center. Wow, what could that tool do? Maybe if I'm going to use RPA, maybe I can connect information from one system up to another system and therefore smooth the flow and get it done faster and better than I've done before. But they're, but they're, they're tools to get work done. Right? They must never, never, never forget that. They're tools to get work done. But we have to There's identify a, what they are and how the pieces fit. And that reminds me of a bit in your book, I forget which chapter, somewhere in the six to eight range, it's a means and an end. Right. You don't want chat GPT to be an end. That's right. Right. Just to do it, just to put a popular technology in the hands of your customers. Unless you're the people selling chat GPT. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, that, then that would have been, that would have been good due diligence on what's right. happening outside your company. That's um, right. Yeah, what really struck me in in, in the text was the um, amount of focus on what's happening outside of your company's four walls. Um, I found myself getting not frustrated or antsy, but eager and excited to finally get to where we can start mapping processes. <laughs> so that's my bias um, as, you know, coming at it from a hyper automation process automation perspective. Right. But there were three or four chapters talking about, okay, put your company aside. Think of it as a black box for now. We're doing, you know, external ecosystem stakeholder mapping and analysis. That's this right. this rich backdrop of context, um, it seems really critical to your method before you jump in. And, and to do what process analysts and business analysts are typically trained to do, which is jump right into a, a process or a yeah. so, solve a problem within an, an ill-defined scope or yeah. a scope which is perhaps going to help a particular executive do well for themselves inside the organization, but is not necessarily the best thing for the customer. And so th that misalignment is, is a huge, huge issue in organizations. Everybody working towards their ends without realizing they're just a means to a larger end. And I think if we can figure out how those things connect up, we can make much better design decisions and we can make much better choices on what to implement and what's important because ultimately the organization has to succeed in its mission. And in many cases it has to succeed financially in order to keep going towards its mission. Right. So, right. Uh, understanding performance. I think that's one, the other thing I would say about business architecture is that mm -hmm. it's, it's quite important to understand what performance you're trying to drive. And can I measure that? And can I evaluate that as I go and see how it, how it's doing? And if it's not doing well, how can I improve it or change it? What new tools do I have? What new technologies are there? Um, it's, it's, it's fascinating what you can do when you when you find a problem. You just turn it back around and say, "Can we, can we turn this into an opportunity?" But you need to understand the outside world first. Yeah, and pulling on that thread from the problem all the way through to the broader ecosystem and stakeholders that that context uh, must be hard because you have a, 
a department or a team that has hired you and they want to solve a problem and it's, well, hold on, we need to back up and come up six levels before we can assign the proper, create the proper change portfolio for you. Yeah. Uh, is there a customer profile that is more ready for that type of work and those back pedals? Or is it like yeah. uh, you, you lead a horse to water, can't make him drink? It, or is it like a, um, when the student is ready, the teacher will come? Is there a type of company that is more ready well, I, for your work? I think than so. And I think, I think it's, mar it's market conditions that drive it. So certain industries are in very fast pace, turn things over. Things like, um, like retail, where the customer is everything. Uh, mm -hmm. things like service oriented companies mm -hmm. like telecommunications banks, they really have got to get it right also because it's so competitive. And, and if you don't stay with it and don't keep working against it, if you don't get the end to end, right, it doesn't matter what, whether you've got great leaders in each department, you don't get the end to end, right. You're going to suffer in the marketplace. Now, For what sure. that what that says is, and it's not, this is not universally true because there are exceptions to this. So uh, it means that organizations, which are more like government or monopoly, monopolistic, I am working with a power company now, and mm -hmm. it's hard to get some of these messages through because they're the only place to go. <laughs> so, yeah. um, it's not like I can go to the other power company. Um, so, so that makes it a bit <laughs> difficult, but honestly, the, the ones that I've seen who are the best is not an industry, it's a nature of the organization. And these are like, these are privately held organizations who've been in the family for a hundred years. Mm -hmm. So, and the reason for this is that their motivation is not just this quarter's results or next year's, next year's bonus. Their motivation is to, to keep the, keep the, um, the, uh, the value of their organizations running for, for decades and decades and decades. So they make good decisions yeah. about the long-term health of the organization. And they don't just optimize something because it's going to be good this quarter. Man, is that refreshing? I, I wish that more of our publicly traded clients had as long-term of a planning horizon as those companies do. Um, that also speaks to the living, breathing, those aren't your words, nature of the artifacts and uh, models that your method uh, kind of requires. Could you speak to the, it's not living, breathing, but um, the- but it's, Can you, it's sustainability. Can, it's, sustainability, it, built to change. I mean, I think it's yeah, 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 yeah. Built to last. That was Built an old book about that a while ago. Um, yeah, yeah. But the um, and I, I think the point here is that the the world is moving so so quickly. We used to have like you know a, a couple of years to build a good plan and then implement it over the next five years. Well, by the time a year's <laughs> up, yeah, all no. the conditions have changed. So what that means is we have to see things like business architecture as a way of life and not as a project. In other words, uh, well, yeah. if I do all this, I'll have a great architecture and then I can, you know, cut the team in half and just keep on going and just keep the lights on generally. 
things are changing all the time. This is this needs to be something you do over and over and over again. And this, somebody said to me once, and it stuck with me. And they said, "This is not this is not a diet where I go on a crash diet, get it all figured out, and I'm and I think I'm good, and then go mm-hmm. back to the way I was." It's actually, if you want to lose weight, you have to change your lifestyle. You, the diets are not are not going to be good enough. You may have to start with a diet, but you mm-hmm. better have the commitment to say, I'm always questioning, I'm always looking, I'm always examining, I'm always changing. And as I said before, things like, like AI, AI comes along and all of a sudden blows everybody out of the water and say, well, if, if you're not doing some of this stuff to the best effect now, then you've missed the boat and somebody else is going to get it. And so it's never ending, which I hope is good news. You have to sustain the organization. And that's what the family run companies are looking for, sustaining the organization. Mm-hmm. And living, breathing business architecture yeah. models sustain that ongoing lifestyle right. versus right. static artifacts but, and models, which well, would not sustain that. But again, but if, if it's, you mentioned certain industries. Well, if, if you're, you know, if you're listed in the Dow Jones, and all your shareholders are expecting a certain return and all the analysts are beating you up because this last month was a bad month. It's hard to remember that the, all of that, if, you, if all of a sudden you're going to be out of work. So yeah. there's a lot of motivation behind all this. If you get the right motivation, it's much easier than if, than if people just are, are interested in something different. I'm sure your method can accommodate those short-term Wall Street pressures as something happening in the external, something happening in your ecosystem. They are a stakeholder, right? Your investors are a stakeholder. They, are, they absolutely are, but they they're require. not the only. They're not the only stakeholder. I think that's Correct. the issue. I could, I, I, if I want to Im- increase my earnings in the next quarter, I bet I can do it regardless of what's going oh, yeah. on. But at right. what cost? But what, and in yeah. what context? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Hey, it's a lot. It's a lot to factor. It's a lot to manage. It's a lot to synthesize. That's another theme that came up uh, throughout your book is as you go from phase to phase, kind of the, in, the outside in, as you mm-hmm. get to know the broader context, market ecosystem you exist in, ultimately ending with a change portfolio. Um, there's a lot of synthesizing that happens, a lot of decisions that happen and a lot of synthesizing that happen. Um, I'm curious not to get too deep into your method, but it is that one of the hard parts of doing business architecture, all the synthesizing and decisions that happen. I, I think, I don't think it's hard. I just think it's a lot of work. Sure. That's where a lot of the work comes. Right. And so, um, and, but if we don't do it, we, we create our own problems going along. As again, another friend of mine said to me once is Roger, I think the main cause of problems is solutions. <laughs> oh man, that so, resonates. Because we don't understand the impact of what we're doing because we don't spend enough time analyzing those, that, that synthesis. So if I, if I change, uh, if I change how I run my process, I might mess up the next process. Or if I, if I change what I want in the process, I might need different data that, that I don't have. Or if I change the data, I don't, or if I stop doing something, 
I may not realize that downstream somebody needs that information for regulatory reporting. Uh, and, and so pulling all it together, like the data, the process, the various capabilities we build, um, you know, all of those, uh, all of those strategies um, have to make sense with one another. So if I go, I'm going to go pull, as you mentioned, pulling string, if I pull on this string, I look in the, in the ball of wool and I can see something else moving. I want to know what it is before yeah. I change it. Yeah. Have you ever done gardening where you find a, uh, a, a weed mat and, <laughs> and you, you pull on it and, and you're like, okay, where does this thing go? How far <laughs> and wide does this thing go? Right. Pull on that thing all day. See where it yeah, goes. Exactly. Yeah, get curious. So it's, it's, what we're trying to do is, is avoid unintended consequences of change because yeah. it's, there's so much complexity. But if I can define what my processes are, I can define what information I'm dealing with. If I can figure out what policies and rules, and if I can figure out what skills and competencies and attitudes and culture, behavior, if I can figure out what performance I want, and I can say that if I touch one of them, what what's the potential risk on all the others before I jump in and start designing and building systems? Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what level do you and your team typically work with when it comes to your client side? Is it the CEO, board of directors? Is it the C-suite, vice presidents, directors, managers, all the above, cross sections, different people at different phases throughout the the, the method, yeah. the journey? I think like we, we have worked directly for, for CEOs. Um, it not typical I mean, it's better when it is because then we have the leadership we need in order to get the behaviors to change yeah um, behaviors of the executives that is um, but quite often we're working with a some c-suite person or one notch below the farther we down the farther down that stack we are the harder it is to get it to stick because you need the commitment of senior people to do things differently probably and the slower it moves too that's right and um and, and I will say, we, we, we're not always successful. Uh, sometimes we just we, we, we work with an organization that thinks it's going to be easy and straightforward, and it sounds sexy, and but uh, they don't have the they don't have the commitment to stick with it. And we've even seen situations where we're going, you know, we're making great progress, and all of a sudden the CEO gets swapped out, and, and a reorganization happens. Yeah. It all goes somewhere project else. Project gets pulled. Yeah, project mm -hmm. gets pulled, right? So um, it, it takes, there's a whole maturity here. And once you get to a certain level of maturity, it does stick because it just becomes a way of life. One, but if you're down, if you're just, in, just starting to do it, it's a little fragile. So you have to have, you, you have to have some evidence that it's worked. So that's why, even though we talk about architecture, we'll often say, let's take a small piece of this even though it does not fully integrate, take a small piece, prove that it works and use that as the justification for getting the buy-in from senior mm -hmm. managers and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, you know, I'd love to do all the architectural work before I did any real development work, but sometimes it's not, that's not, not the best way to sell it and, and get, get acceptance. Yep. Understood. It's always different. It's different every time. It's always different. Yep. Yeah, even like, though there, uh, there, there is a framework, 
And we call mm -hmm. it, we basically say our approach is trying to emphasize freedom within the framework. In other words, if you yep. follow the general principles, but sometimes you start in a different place and sometimes, uh, you know, you, you deal with the information aspects rather than the process aspects, because just that's, that's just where, where people are and what they're ready for and what their problem is. Yeah. That's, that's the reality and the nature of, of business, right? That's that, right. No. And so if I have, if I have a regulatory compliance requirement for January 1st, or they're going to come in and shut me down. Yeah. Um, they're not going to worry about methodology. They're going to just say, let's do what we have to do to get that data yeah. done. We'll figure the processes bit out afterwards. Um, so you, you do, you, you deal with the situation as it stands, as opposed to trying to be pure with your methodology. I'm curious, um, on, on a couple of things, I, I was wondering if you had any, any fun stories that you wanted to share, um, either engagements that went really well, you know, great turnaround stories, um, where they've got kind of a, not a hopeless client or a struggling client needs help navigating, you know, their next chapter and, and they emerged with clarity and, and just a great you know, change portfolio, or maybe a story that didn't go as well. And because of certain reasons, it didn't work. And those are good learnings. I'm curious what, what stories might come to uh, mind. I'll give you one of each. Um, cool. I'll give you, I'll give you the good one first. Um, we working with a client right now who was a former client. Uh, we work with this, this, this gentleman, uh, at a large bank. Um, and we, and we work with the division that deals with secured lending. So real mm -hmm. estate, cars, other, other things like that. And so we work with those guys and they've been struggling and struggling and struggling to get to, to do, to do better. Um, and so the, this particular client had heard us speak at a conference and, uh, came up at, at halfway through and said, so this is what I think you're saying. I said, yeah. I said, well, you know, what, maybe we should be looking to talk to you guys. So it turned out that he was in the same city where we were from. So later on that week, we, we had a presentation to the, the senior executives, got there, got there that quickly. And we spent a couple of years just completely turning around the whole mortgage department because he was driving it and he was respected inside the organization. And they changed how they do mortgages. Uh, and it was the basis for um, uh, implementation of a whole new big platform, big technology platform. It was used to, 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 to describe what that platform had to do. And they're able mm -hmm. to do the implementation very, very, very successfully. Um, mm, and isn't so that great. Well, the, but this is actually not, not really the story. The story is he <laughs> left that organization went, um, went to a very large, uh, health, uh, health insurance provider on the, on the West coast. Um, and the, the day he took that job over, he, he called me and said, we need to do it again. And so we went in, we trained and he, this is senior vice president of operations of, of a large health insurance company. And this is a, a lot of transactions flowed through that organization mm -hmm. claims and 
and insurance and, and health care providers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so we went in and um, basically got his senior vice presidents and directors in a room for three days, walked through, walked through what this is all about. They all agreed to it. And then we ran, we took them through the framework step by step by step from the outside. Who are the stakeholders? What, what do we give them? What do we get from them? What are, what are their needs? What do they expect? And all that kind of stuff. Did all the stakeholder analysis, develop what we call a North Star, which is the, our vision of where we want to go. Uh, and then we did, we developed the process architecture and then they each, they each picked up, they divided the process among all that group. They became the champions for each of these processes. And now they're in there changing all of it. We completely changed the scorecard of the organization going upwards. And it's just gone like a charm. It's just, it's been fantastic because we had the internal leadership supporting it. Yeah, executive so, support. So that man. was great. On the opposite side, um, hmm. I worked, uh, myself and my, my partner worked uh, coaching another organization um, that they were so badly managed and so badly organized, but they're making tons of money despite themselves because of their, yeah. their positioning in the marketplace, um, ignoring the fact that others can creep into their market. They were mm. basically, uh, they run auctions for equipment, resale, things like heavy duty tractors and things like that. They're, the, they're very, mm. very large. And so, um, but they got a new leadership team in um, and, the, new, and the, the, the board was pushing hard for growth. So they wanted to grow like, double digit and double digit every single year for a number of years. Um, and so they, what they did is they, they basically just tried to introduce new products, new product, new product, new product, except they couldn't even produce a bill, which, which told you what products you had bought and how much you owed, because there's all kinds of reconciliation that, that they couldn't possibly pull off. So we tried That's to pull it all back and put some architecture together to show even, even something like how, where does billing information come from? What should it do? What systems are doing it well? Which systems are not? Should we replace the whole stack? Should we glue the thing together with robots? Um, all that kind of stuff. But in the meantime, what they did is they just kept pushing these products and they got seduced by a, an, an outside firm that says, forget all this planning. We don't need planning. All we need is agile product development. And they started through trying to build our products. And then none, none of it connected. They had new products. Customers didn't know what to do with them. None of it yeah. connected. Um, and um, as a result, everybody I know there has now left the organization. Yeah, the house of and cards. They, and they don't, have, they don't have the internal capacity to run the business properly or to change the business properly because they just, they were so focused on growth that they, they couldn't figure out how to provide great service at the same time and retain customers and they're losing customers now. So that was a failure. Uh, and the team I work with. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the team I work with, they were great. And we, and we produced a, an awful lot of good stuff, but, it, but it, they couldn't even get a meeting with the executive team. Oh man. Yeah, those are, those are two great stories. The common thread to me is executive sponsorship. One had right it, up. one didn't. Executive yeah. sponsorship, man. Both followed the method, but one didn't have executive sponsorship. So you know what? The second one, 
they'll be back. Hopefully. Hopefully <laughs> they realize five, it. Maybe five be back or, or off the map. One That's of the very two. true. Or acquired by somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll be back. Then they'll be back. I'm always optimistic. <laughs> um, so does that speak to a, a particular customer profile? I know you you mentioned that something about the private family legacy type companies. Yeah. Uh, public, private, large, small, struggling, booming, doesn't discriminate. One isn't more ready than the other. It's, it's well, it's it's, it's trying it's to zero in on that There's, profile. There is some other pro. It, it it might be more more cultural than anything else. People often ask us who's doing this well in the world. Um, and what we find is that uh, in certain countries, there's much more openness to having a more structured, organized approach to doing work. Western Europe. Uh, well, the S Scandinavian countries are amazing. Sure. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, especially countries like Norway, for example. But in Norway, they've been so oil and gas focused for so many years and so focused on quality and making sure that uh, the things are done well and compliance to, to, to international standards that they got used to the idea that they had to be structured and they had to be, be able to show that what they were reporting was actually true. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if it came from that or whether it was always there, but those countries are much more disciplined um, than any other place. Um, the other, the other place, uh, the other place I've noticed is that, and, and it is across all industry sectors is Saudi Arabia. It's very, very interesting. They're coming They're, up more and more now. Well, if you like, they've put in place a whole national hospital and health system completely based on business architecture. And because of it, they can open, they can open up a new hospital in a new place pretty quickly because they've got the pattern to work with the architectural mm -hmm. designs, not just for the buildings, but for how the, how right. the business is going to run. Now, wow. so is, is that because they've, they've got so much opportunity in front of them because they've got the money to, to spend on these things? Um, or is it a, a cultural issue? Uh, I don't know, but, but they're there. You'd probably argue more culture than then money, money helps, but culture is the prerequisite. Yeah, that's, that's very, like. that's very, very true. But, but certainly the, the, the need, the need is well recognized to, to have some discipline. Um, and it's interesting, most of the people I've worked with in Saudi Arabia over the years, they're all highly educated and they're all highly educated in us and UK schools, the top schools. So they're, they're learning from us, um, but they're implementing it better than we are. Um, it's that culture. It's that missing piece of, well, and of it's, discipline. It, it, I mean, I'm Canadian, so I, I can comment a little bit on this. Maybe not all of it, but in my experience, we do a lot of work in the U.S. Uh, but in my experience in the U.S., it's it's all over the place. There are uh, some of the best organizations in the world really committed to doing things exceptionally well, and, and they're great at doing it. But there's others which are just you know, uh, scattered not focused and hoping that that if we just take some quick fix we're going to be okay 
It's, and it's not even. It's it's really interesting. Canada's somewhere in the middle. UK somewhere hmm. in the middle. Um, but like I say, US has some amazing organizations. But there's also some you think, wow, how do they how do they kill, how are they still going? So it, it, yeah. there it is more cultural, I think, or more not more cultural nationally, but more the uh, uh, the, the the mindset of the of the leaders of the organization. Okay, so my takeaway for this profile of company that uh, either is, can, or will benefit most, or would be most ready for for business architecture, um, aside from the generic everyone could and should, is discipline. Either they are disciplined or they're willing to be disciplined to That's create right. a long-term, sustainably profitable future for themselves and their and, stakeholders. And it could be the marketplace, which is... It could be the marketplace that just naturally has that discipline. Certain industries, uh, and thank, sure. Certain industries, at certain thankfully, times too. Thankfully, yeah. I've I've noticed I've done a little bit of work in the space. The nuclear power operators seem to be pretty good at this. Oh, I was wondering <laughs> how disciplined <laughs> my nuclear plant was. I'm glad to hear they're highly disciplined. Yeah, we <laughs> just watched know, Oppenheimer too. Oh, did yeah. you watch it? Oh, great. yeah. Did you catch you, it? Talk, no, we talked about it offline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Or you can edit, or you can edit it out. Did you like it? Sounds good. Yeah, no, I did like it. It was good. Um, I'm glad the nuclear folks are are disciplined though. Um, <laughs> so coming up on it, Roger, I've got a, a couple rapid fire questions sure. for you. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, as you think about your methodology from kind of the outside context, ecosystem, mm -hmm. stakeholder alignment, down to the change portfolio and everything that happens in between. Is there a crux of business? Is there a crux in this method or a fulcrum, uh, whether it's a stage in the method or a decision that is made? Uh, is there a crux or, or are all phases relatively equal? Um, now, this is going to be somewhat biased in my part because there are a lot of people who have slightly different views. Um, mm -hmm. But in, in my experience, there's two things which are critical. One is really, really understanding who you're serving and why you're doing it and what's important. Without that, okay. all the way through everything else you're doing, you have no consistent criteria to be able to choose between A and B. Mm -hmm. Cool. Those choice, those choices of investment and, and design should not be personal opinions, and they should not be driven by internal motivation or incentives. They should be driven by the need of the outside world. Once we can get that, we can always go back to it and say, we have these three choices, which is the best one? Let's pull up our criteria and look at them, which one matches the best. It becomes non-personal at that point in time. That's one. Mm -hmm. The, the second one, I think, is that as you break the big problem of the whole enterprise down into workable parts, it's the end-to-end -end process or value stream, value chain, whatever words you want to use for it, which basically segments the work into whole pieces, each of which is delivering value, as opposed to pieces, each of which is contributing to um, a bunch of different things that you can't trace. You can't trace it. You can't see where it's going. So 
segmenting by process, uh, again, uh, some people use, will use the word value chain or value stream mm -hmm. for the highest level. The segmenting that way is a way to keep it manageable. Um, so I, I think to me, those are the two things because otherwise it just becomes about, you know, your ERP platform, or your CRM platform or something like that. But you don't see what what that's doing for you. You don't you, you can't see how to design it best unless you know what it is you want to accomplish and how that work needs to get done. Great. That makes a ton of sense to me. Those are those are the two cruxes. Right. Um, I have two more By questions. Way, not, not everybody agrees with with the process view. There's also a capability view. Which, yeah, yeah. And information which is much view. more yeah, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different views, but I think you have to have one that organizes the others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you like the uh, the process view. We like mm -hmm. that too. That's alien process. It's in our name. Cheers uh, <laughs> too. Um, next rapid fire question is: Are there shortcuts to your methodology? Is there an 80-20 that can come in in a pinch if you have a, a limited budget customer or limited right. time or limited paid, whatever it may be? Is there an 80-20? Yeah, I, like? I think there is. It's, it's, it's mostly an issue of how deep you want to go. So mm -hmm. normally what we say is when you're doing this work, we want to start with mile wide, inch deep. Or if you're in Canada with me, <laughs> kilometer wide, centimeter deep. <laughs> nice. Um, and so... But you, in other words, you want to understand the whole picture, but you don't have to understand everything about what's going on. But then if you then can prioritize of all the things, all the pieces you got across this mile wide, then you can say, well, this particular area is painful for us. It's strategic for us. We really want to go after that one process area. Then you can drill that down and make it, it you can take it now a mile deep as opposed to having to take everything equally all the way down the stack, focus on something, mm -hmm. do it there, mm -hmm. get it, like get it working approach. well, and then come back and do it again and then do it again and build it up over yeah. a period of time. Um, cool. So th th that's what, that's what I would say is don't get lost in the weeds too soon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, don't skimp you... on the context. Don't skimp on the stakeholder mapping, but also right. don't feel like you have to go deep on each and every but at the same time, even on my stakeholder mapping, I don't have to go out and do all kinds right. of uh, customer market research information. Like, sure. like, I don't need detail, detail. I don't need six months of the marketing group going and talking to no. uh, and doing customer surveys and stuff like that. I can, I can shortcut that as long as I'm pretty confident, I'm close enough. So being comfortable with being uncomfortable is really good thing um so in other words you don't you know that you don't know it all but you're comfortable yep. enough that you're going to figure it out as you go um mm -hmm. whereas uh, i have another client right now where they 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 their comfort is when they understand everything perfectly and so it's just taking so long to get to doing something of value because they're trying to understand it all and um and they won't they'll never understand it all so you got to be like, you got to do something. Definitely know the type too. Right? Yeah. You, you got to do something and, and also prove, prove your value in doing it. 
make yeah. a difference. And then success breeds more success. That's this yeah. virtuous self-funding cycle that, you know, uh, you're describing kind of a T approach. It is absolutely right. Absolutely. All you need is one T and then right. you've just excited the next division. Then the dominoes start to fall. Yeah. That's I'd, li I'd like to know where that T fits in bigger picture, but I don't need to know everything about at, at the detail level, just very top level. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last question is how does technology support what you do? And this may be the bit that speaks kind of to our, our traditional audience in the right. hyper automation space. How does well, technology support the work you do within your method? And then from an outcomes perspective, right? Well, there's, there's, I, can, we can, I can look at technology from two perspectives. One is the implementation of the technology to run the process and so many processes today you just, you don't, it doesn't execute without the technology. Think of, think of ordering something on Amazon. I mean, I don't talk oh, to anybody, man. you know, um, it's all technology without that. end, and they've got it end to end. They've got it from the, the click all the way to through the to the delivery. And, well, and the pay is along in there too. Right. So yep. all, all of that is connected together. And, and, and I don't think I've ever spoken to anybody at Amazon. Uh, you know, I, 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 <laughs> no, I don't think we have either. And not that I want to either. No, I, you know, what? I, I was yesterday. I ordered light bulbs at 11 o'clock at night uh, and they're coming today. Right. So, yeah. um, but without the technology connecting all that up and the, and the data being, uh, completely flowing all the way through that doesn't work. So that's from an execution operational point of view. If you're an insurance company, can I pay a claim without talking to anybody? Like, like all that kind of, that's critical. But there's also the issue about if we're business architects, we need technology for ourselves, right? right? So we need tools to keep track of this stuff. So it's, um, and lots of people are running around with doing models, various types of models in Visio and they're mm. spreadsheets or access databases, uh, which is still around. Um, and they're doing all this stuff, but there's no inherent organizing structure. If you think about the process, the data, the rules and all those types of things, they all work with each other. I need a tool as an architect that says this business rule is used in these four processes. And if I change it, I better go look at those processes first before I do it. Uh, what I want, don't want to do is change it once and find out afterwards. I just messed up three other processes. So mm -hmm. I, I need tools for me. I need to keep track of the. It's, it's a knowledge management tool for me and all the knowledge that I need to keep track of. And it's going to take a while to build it up, but its benefit is going to be, I'll avoid the, I'll avoid those unintended consequences. So we need tools like that for ourselves. Yeah. I'm going to reserve a, a shameless plug for our company salient process and the automation compass tool that we're building as trying to make a dent in that tool problem you mentioned roger from a, a business architecture process improvement planning um because we have no formal partnerships uh between the two of us and i don't want you to endorse anything you're not comfortable endorsing oh, um, from, from from what i've seen you guys are well on the way to, to figuring it all out and so congratulations thank you for that roger it's uh yeah it's a team effort it's a small world this business architecture community um i've been in 
business automation for coming up on 10 years now and business architecture hit my radar. Um, I'd say 24 months ago, roughly. Um, I'm sure it pulls from a, a, a school of thought. There, there's gotta be a lineage there. There is. Um, yeah. What, what does that lineage look like? That's well, I, my, I, my last, last question. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, th I think there's probably two major schools of thought here where this stuff will come from two two existing communities. One of them is enterprise architects. So the enterprise architect who are trying to define uh, the technology infrastructure, the networks, um, and all the applications and, and how they play together. And you've probably seen those very complex diagrams about what oh, goes man. from one piece of software to another piece of software. Yeah. Coming out of that, and I think that community has recognized that they can do their work much better if they understand how they're supporting the business. Because if it's yeah. if otherwise, otherwise there's just seen as an expense or, or it might be yeah. a capital on item the on, on, the, on the balance sheet. Yeah. But if, if they're in, they're in the cost side of the world and, yeah. and they're not cheap, right? You start implementing things like Salesforce or, um, a whole bunch of the other things which are out there, that's yeah. a big spend and you, you spend all that time and then you have a, a year or two of stabilization, right? So they realize they, they can do much better if they understand the business better. Right? Yeah. So that, that, that's one perspective. Sure. The mm -hmm. other one is from the process improvement community where basically, and people have been doing lean and six Sigma for a hundred years or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, more. And just trying to do, just trying to make the processes work better, get rid of bottlenecks, you know, eliminate, um, eliminate all kinds of waste. steps that you don't and waste. It's a waste thing yeah, coming from lean. Um, and they've been doing that for a long time, but, but what they've gradually grown up to see that what they're working on needs a, needs a bigger picture of where everything fits. And so, and I think these two have, are, are really the two major sources. Now there's a little bit of a clash and perspective when they come together um, in terms of how they think about it, but organizations who've got their act together actually have figured out how to make these two sides work with one another. So these two sides being the process folks and the enter and the enterprise yeah. architecture folks. Yeah. 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 And, great, it is, and it's not, it's not always a clash. I shouldn't say that, but uh, historically Meeting it's much better mind. now than it well, compared to 10 years ago, it's much better now. People are seeing things much more in a similar way. So. Well, on that, I'll let you go, Roger. Keep fighting the good fight. Um, <laughs> I've really enjoyed this conversation. And, thank you so uh, much. Yeah, can't thank you again for the time. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper-automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. Be sure to never miss an episode by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Don't forget to connect and interact with us. You can find us on Bots and Thoughts' own LinkedIn page. And we're constantly running feedback surveys and ask that if you've made it this far in the episode, show us some love by responding to a survey and following us on LinkedIn. Finally, if you or someone you know would like to be a special guest on the show, we have a nomination form also down in the description for you to fill out. And with that, see you next episode and happy automating.